Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. This very concept of the death of expertise. How do we find out where it started, where it happened? And is it really the the expert that we no longer have faith in? Has the expert stopped being someone to have faith in? Do they no longer have an expertise? Or, or, or do we, as a society, no longer really have faith in anything? Which is a whole other conversation about how faith is undone. How it is that people lose the ability to say these organizations and these institutions, no, I will no longer follow them. Does that lead into the further weakening of American society, of Western values, and of Western civilization. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, it's good to be with you. 833, got Tony, 833-468-8669. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio, find everything at TonyKatz.com. Michael Walsh joins us right now. He's the author of Last Stands, Why Men Fight When All is Lost. You can find that at Amazon.com, wherever fine books are sold. You've seen his and read his other books, The Devil's Pleasure Palace and the Fiery Angel, Art, Culture, Sex, Politics, and the Struggle for the Soul of the West. When I saw his piece at the New York Post, I said, this is, seems to be a continuation of a conversation. The piece being the FBI is made of snitches, often trapping Americans into committing crimes. And this comes from the knowledge that the FBI may have been so involved and so embedded in this group looking to kidnap, quote-unquote, Governor Whitmer, that maybe it was their idea to begin with. Michael Walsh joins us right now. Let's start with the basics. The FBI is made of snitches, often trapping Americans. We, we will then follow that up by saying, now listen, there are good members of the FBI. I don't think that's the argument you're making. You're saying that as an institution... It has failed us miraculously. Uh, yeah, I think that's the best way to put it. Um, it has run out its skein of honesty and integrity uh, and has become just another CYA bureaucracy in the Washington swamp. Uh, if our listeners have been to D.C., you know it's located in a, in a brutalist-style architecture building called the J. Edgar Hoover Building. Uh, right there near the Capitol. Uh, it proclaims by its very existence and appearance uh, a, a, an impression of brute force. And I don't think that is what the FBI started out with uh, as, rather, uh, at all. Tony, we should mention the FBI has gone through um, sort of various incarnations. Uh, uh, it, it, it antedates Hoover. It was originally designed to fight the Ku Klux Klan, which I think was a Democrat Party organization, if history serves, my memory serves right. Uh, but it's, it's devolved into an internal police force, which was never its intention. Uh, originally, the FBI was made up of lawyers who were unarmed, and there was a famous shootout, uh, a one-sided shootout, I should say, basically, uh, in Kansas City, in which the FBI came to pick up some notorious gangster or bank robber, which was their job. And they were ambushed by his cronies. So after that, Hoover made them all carry guns. So they are now 
an armed force of lawyers with guns. And I think now you don't even have to be a lawyer anymore. So the the Bureau has changed its mission substantially uh, over the course of time. And uh, the readers who take a look at this piece in yesterday's Post, which was on the cover of the New York Sunday Post, by the way, which is one of the largest circulation newspapers in America, uh, will see that I referenced the 1935 movie G-Men with James Cagney. It was Cagney's first performance as a good guy, uh, but it used his bad boy impre- uh, persona from uh, The Public Enemy and other movies um, to cast him as Rick Davis, the two-fisted, gunslinging, fearless FBI agent. And at one point when it was re-released, it was even uh, given a frame which in which young FBI agents are forced to watch the movie to see the great history of the FBI. So we've come a long, long way from this. Talking to Michael Walsh, The Devil's Pleasure Palace, The Fiery Angel, and the latest book, Last Stands, Why Men Fight When All is Lost. You can find those at Amazon.com or wherever fine books are sold. You talk about the FBI and the changing of of their mission from lawyers to lawyers with guns to now not necessarily uh, being lawyers. So describe it. Give me the one-two punch. The FBI was meant to do blank, and now it does blank. Well, it was meant to deal with federal crimes that local law enforcement could not effectively deal with. For example, bank robbers. Uh, Many, many years ago, I was visited by two FBI agents when I was uh, just about, I think I had just turned 18, and they showed up to recruit me to the FBI. And I was just, I was already a freshman in college, in fact, before I turned 18, so I wasn't in any mood to suddenly abandoned my college life. Uh, but, I, it, you know, obviously it was something to, to think about. I come from a military family, as my readers know. Uh, and yet uh, it's gone so far astray. Uh, bank robbers could rob, like Bonnie and Clyde, bank robbers could rob banks and cross state lines. Well, the state cops couldn't chase them, say, from Missouri into Kansas. So the feds decided to get involved in that kind of crime. And that's really where the FBI begins. It's now become effectively a counterintelligence, counterterrorism, internal police force, and I don't think that's what uh, was intended and certainly not what we want right now. So one would then ask the question, let's, let's say the FBI isn't, shouldn't be doing those things. How do those things get done? This is what the, the conversation I often uh, come to or, or people come to me with when we talk about how you deal with uh, terrorism if you're not going to have a Department of Homeland Security. And my answer is, well, as we've always dealt uh, with, with terrorism, uh, just a question of whether or not we're going to deal with it or not. So how do you answer that question? Without the, without the FBI, how are some of these things dealt with? Well... I mean, that's kind of a a loaded question because it implies that there ought to be something like the FBI Uh, or the Department of Homeland Security. The DHS was a panicky overreaction and the bureaucratization of the reaction to 9-11. Had the intelligence agency, I'm looking at you, CIA, which is, by the way, the worst intelligence agency on the planet Earth. Its record of failure unsurpassed, although it's hard-drinking past certainly legendary, uh, but they tend to miss almost everything. Had they been doing their job, we wouldn't have had 9-11. Had the Democrats not interfered with sharing among the way too many intelligence agencies this country has, we wouldn't have had 9-11. We don't necessarily need to have militarized the FBI 
in order to deal with, with terrorists. And as I point out in the piece, uh, and not, not just me, but others, David Shipler in the New York Times, or Glenn Greenwald, of course, has been on this case a lot in the last few years. Um, much of this is, is, in a way, either entrapment or certainly instigated by informants and even agents within these groups. The communists used to joke in the 1950s, because Hoover was obsessed with communists, that, you know, in, in every communist cell, there were two communists and six FBI agents. And that was a good thing. But remember also, Hoover had a blind spot. Hoover uh, thought of, of, of uh, uh, gangsters as the Midwestern bank robbers, Bonnie and Clyde and Ma Barker and all of that, when in fact uh, the real gangsters were on the East Coast and were the foundations of organized crime. I've written a whole novel about it called In All the Saints. The ethnic gangsters uh, on the East Coast and to a certain extent on the West Coast, he, de- he denied that, that they even had a structure, but of course they did. So the FBI got off on the wrong foot to begin with, and I don't, I don't know that we need the Department of Homeland Security. I'm pretty sure we don't need, and those departments should either be eliminated or returned to their original jurisdictions. But now, the FBI needs a radical restructuring. But then again, Tony, so does everything. I mean, don't you think? Look, look at the state of our politics. Look at the at, at the mess the country has gone through for the, the last, certainly since the beginning of the Obama years, and this constant contentiousness, uh, getting really nothing done, or if something gets done, it gets undone by the next guy five seconds later. We are uh, seriously adrift, and running around um, uh, uh, sticking our noses into plots by these kind of cartoon militias, uh, it's really perhaps not the best use of our resources at this well, point. Well, one of the reasons I, I bring this up, and I, and I phrase it the way I, I do, uh, talking to Michael Walsh, his latest piece uh, over at the New York Post, that the FBI is made of snitches, often trapping Americans into committing crimes, is not that I'm making the argument for having an FBI. Like, I don't make an argument for having a Department of Homeland Security. I, I'm a believer mm-hmm. that less is more. It yeah. is this larger scale conversation of the death of expertise. Glenn Reynolds writing about it yeah. just last week in USA yeah. Today. Uh, our uh, uh, mutual friend, Kurt Schlichter, has written yeah. about this in hints and pieces in whether it be militant normals or, or in 21 Lies about Donald Trump and you. Um, so much of what I think you get into in terms of the subversion of the West, a subject that you have really made your own, is the mm-hmm. idea of taking institutions or or even down to the concepts of bedrock principles and 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 making people question them but really we see whether it's education or whether it's law enforcement it seems that the quote-unquote expert has broken their deal with the people so as you look at at this level of expertise like the fbi is supposed to have it, yeah. uh, where do you take my thesis, this thesis of Schlichter and others, that the experts mm. have stopped being experts? Well, I think that's a very good point. As you know, uh, uh, Kurt, uh, you mentioned Kurt's a very good friend. I had lunch uh, with Glenn Reynolds not long ago in Tennessee, and I had dinner with Kurt just the other night here in Los Angeles. There are a group of patriots, yourself included, who have been on this case for a long time, and we are trying to explain to the American people that this fetishization of expertise and I think Tom Nichols wrote a book called The Death of Expertise, in which he was bemoaning the loss of the so-called experts. Uh, This has led us down a very dangerous path. It's part of the collectivist nature. Uh, Tony, as you know, uh, I spent a great many years behind the Iron Curtain, both in East Berlin and in 
uh, the Soviet Union, among other places. And I watched that whole mess collapse between 1985 and 1991. Uh, ex- expert top-down diktats, which was characteristic of the Soviet Union, even to Lysenkoism, which was a crackpot uh, botanist, basically, who thought he could grow plants, you know, in the Arctic tundra and stuff like that, while people starved to death by the millions. Experts are not your friends. Uh, people may have expertise in certain areas, but that doesn't give them the right to, to run the country. This is a, the legacy of the Woodrow Wilson administration, when expertise began to be looked at as something better than mere ugly grubby, dirty democracy. And people who fetishize expertise are not patriots. They are not Republican Democrats, as as our country uh, is founded. They are people who want top-down solutions imposed, five-year plans and great leaps forward, and those always wind up in one place, the concentration camp. And that's the truth. The follow-up to this is, what do we do in the meantime? If you start realizing that you can't have faith in these groups because they've been, in many ways, politically uh, infiltrated, and then you realize that you can't have faith in, in, in these groups uh, because you, you don't believe that they've got your best interests in, in mind, Mm-hmm. What happens to a society at that moment? We want institutions to work. We it's it's we like parents with critical race theory. You have educators who broke the deal. We want you to educate our kids, not indoctrinate them into your freak show, and you broke the deal and now parents are upset. What do you do in a society where you can't have faith anymore? Well, those societies tend to break down into civil war revolution. That's what happens, and that's the ugly truth. And that's why I personally am so concerned about the direction the country is going. Now, for our listeners, I'm on a 8,000-mile car trip across the country. I decided before I start work on my next book, which is a kind of sequel to Last Stands, I wanted to see the state of the USA. So I have been from my home in New England down to Florida, back up to New England, all the way across the United States, here to L.A., and I'll go back by an entirely different route. I'm stopping. I'm seeing people along the way. And you know what, Tony? This is a great country. And people are getting along just fine. If these experts would shut up and leave us alone, if you put the New York Times and NPR out of business, you would not be gaslit the way you are right now into thinking that blacks and whites are at each other's throats, everything's falling apart. Uh, uh, We are making ourselves crazy. Just go out your door and and see what's happening in the county next to you. Uh, Yes, there are terrible things like Antifa, and the extreme Black Lives Matter protests, which went unpunished. But that's the Democrats for you. They like this sort of thing. But on an average American level, we are good people. We get along. We have a sense of shared community. Uh, No matter what our race, we may live differently, but we are all Americans. And that's something that I think influential talk show hosts like you need to constantly remind people. Now, Indiana's a state filled with patriots. But other states are, are, like my state of Connecticut, all you can get on the radio is NPR, and it makes you crazy. And, and something needs to be done about that. And yet, you know what? The Republicans get into office, they never defund NPR, do they? Not ever. It's just not ever. And it's, it's, it's a slow-acting poison that's really harming the country. As I often say, the Republican Party is the party of stupid. Michael it Walsh. Is the party of stupid. 
Uh, find his books, The Last Stand, Why Men Fight When All Is Lost, at Amazon.com, wherever fine books are sold. Michael, always a pleasure. I've got more. I'm Tony Katz. My life be like... So I haven't been covering the Olympics. Uh, just the what's what's to say? The ratings are down. The people are woke, and it's certainly not true of every athlete, but enough to turn me off, to make me say, "Yeah, I don't want any part of this." Thank you very much, and have a nice day, Tony Katz. Great to be with you guys, Tony Katz today. But I came across this piece from from Insider.com. It's from back in May. I had not caught wind of this. Here's the headline. Simone Biles, the gymnast, right? Possibly the greatest of all time. Spectacular. Simone Biles is so dominant that scoring rules are holding her back for the safety of others and keeping competitions closer than they should be. Now, never mind that the U.S. women didn't have a great day, uh, you know, yesterday and as a team, but Simone Biles still doing very well in the overall. Did they actually say with the Olympics that the event, that the challenges that she's putting forward are are too dangerous for women? So therefore, they're not going to score her on those? They don't want other people trying the stuff she can do. That's insane. And that's, again, the end of the Olympics. It's just wrong. I, I don't know what to tell you, man. If you have skill, do not shy away from it. Go engage it and enjoy it. Push the envelope. Push the boundaries. Don't buy into the bigotry that says, well, you know, it might not be okay for other people, so we can't let you do it. Forget that. Forget that. You hear this story and you're reminded that Harrison Bergeron lives, which is a short story by Kurt Vonnegut, which is about if somebody's too strong, they put weights on them. And if somebody is too smart, they they put a ringing in their ear so they can't concentrate. They try and make everybody equal by preventing you from being able to live out your opportunities and your skill sets given to you by just natural lottery. To be able to do things that the rest of us can marvel at and appreciate. Ahead of its time. But we're living it today. Is no one going to discuss just the straight up bigotry against Simone Biles in this case? She's better. Good. We take a look at what's going on across the country in the labor crisis that has hit small business. Selena Zito of the New York Post and other places scheduled to be with us to discuss what she has found on the road. This is Tony Katz today. So this guy who approached Tucker Carlson, have I talked about this yet? Man, this is it's a weird story. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio. Parlor, Instagram, Twitter, Tony Katz. The phone number, 833-GOT-TONY, 833-468-8669. 
Tucker Carlson, Fox News, he's he's fishing with his with his family. I, I guess is what he's doing. And I don't know. He's in Montana. I was t- heard he was in Montana. And this guy walks up and goes, "I just want you to know, man. I just think I just think you're terrible." You're just the worst human being. I just, I, I'm important, so I have to tell you while you're fishing that you're the worst human being for fishing with your family. Just, man, what kind of person fishes with their family? Oh, yeah, I'm here to fish with my family. But you, you're the worst kind of human being. I'm telling you, I see this as a much bigger problem than other people. Because the left is like, look at this guy confronting Tucker Carlson. What, what is the love of confronting? What is the, the odd fascination with, with, consult, with, with confronting? And then the people on the right are like, dude, Tucker handled this great, which he did, but neither one of those things is the story. The story... Uh, I'll 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 get to. I, I swear I will. Did I say hello, Tony Katz? Uh, that's me, Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Did I give out the number eight three three four six eight eight six six nine? Would love to talk to you. This is the chief of police in Washington D.C. saying it like it is. Thirty years. I've been born and raised right here in this city. Started my patrol career right here in this district. And the way that we're going and the things that we're trying to do, we want to help people. Yes, we should. But you cannot coddle violent criminals. You cannot. You cannot treat violent criminals who are out here making communities unsafe for you, for your loved ones, for me, for my loved ones. They might not want a job. They might not. They might not need services. What they may require is to be off of our streets because they're making it unsafe for us. And if that's what it requires, then that's what it requires. And we have to own that. We have to own it because if not, we see more of this. There's been violence in Washington, D.C. Well, there's been violence everywhere. Chicago and New York, uh, Indianapolis, a brutal, brutal weekend. I've been talking about it on, on social media. And I said, once again, Indy wakes up to discover that it is a war zone. I mean, what else would you describe it as? The shootings, the stabbings, people dying, and a city that has no plan. And you've got the mayor and the city council uh, silent. And some dude on Twitter is like, clearly you've never been in a war zone, drama queen. Okay. Hey, you, you, you win. We'll just, we'll just leave it like it is. We'll just, we'll just leave this as is. We won't notice. That's right. We won't pay any attention. We won't notice. It'll all go away. It was all just uh, a, a dream. That's all it is. Meanwhile, you've got Andrew Cuomo. The Department of Justice will not be looking into what he did, the deaths he he is responsible for because of his policies on nursing homes. And he's like, what are you talking about? I always told the truth about nursing homes, the governor of New York. A lot. But we cannot now go back to where we were. And I am telling you, as I sit here, I have told you the facts on COVID from day one, whether they were 
easy, whether they were hard, I told you the truth. While a lot of people were talking politics, and a lot of people were talking theory, and a lot of people were trying to deny because they didn't want to deliver bad news, I told you the truth. You know why? Because I believe in you. I believe... Ugh. Oh, can you... Has anyone ever thrown up on radio before? Because this is just... This is just nasty as can be. I told the truth. You got people killed. Your policies got people killed. It's it's just the reality of what happened. And now the Department of Justice is not investigating. And he's out there blaming Trump and the Republican Party for 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 the deaths. He, that, that's that's who's responsible here. Trump and, and, and the GOP announced over the weekend that they were not investigating New York State and other states for uh, nursing home deaths. I don't know if you caught this, but last year in the middle of the con- campaign, uh, President Trump was saying uh, first, well, he was saying a lot of things. Uh, COVID is not a problem. COVID isn't real. COVID's going to be gone by Easter. Don't worry. It's just a democratic conspiracy. Uh, (sighs) None of those things, even if they were true, changes you initiating policies that had people in nursing homes returning to nursing homes after they'd been shown to have COVID. So what are you talking about, you lunatic? You talk about not taking responsibility. Then you've got MSNBC saying that Nancy Pelosi didn't have control over the Capitol. Am I hearing this right? And the fact that people who disagree on almost every other policy issue are working together in this way is important. And Stephanie, if you wouldn't mind, I want to fact check Jim Banks there and the idea that Pelosi has control over the security of the Capitol. The Capitol Police Board has one member who's appointed by the House Speaker, one who the House Speaker has a role in. But the idea that Pelosi had operational control over Capitol Hill security on January 6th or any other day is simply not true. Hold the hell right up. Hold on a second. The argument, now I didn't hear Banks's comments, but the argument is not necessarily one of operational control. The argument on January 6th is that in the days before, they knew they had heard this, this let's call it chatter. I'll use the word chatter. That's my word. Help was offered and not taken. The question is, what was heard? What did the speaker know? And did she accept help or did she purposefully or in in her own view decline the help saying it wasn't necessary? Which is something that falls under the category of the speaker. If it doesn't fall under the category of the speaker, well, then you'd be right. What in the world does any of it have to do with her? Stephanie rules like for facts straight, it's a fact's sake, it's a straight up lie. Whoa, 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 whoa. Was Speaker Pelosi offered additional security 
Did the Capitol Police go to her and ask for additional security? These are worthy questions. Why would you not want to answer them? Why is the media trying to run this interference for her? That's ugly. That is ugly. Because it's it's a total... You know, I had said this about the dang... It was a piece that I, that I read about uh, the, the, the Pfizer vaccine. And how the, the Pfizer vaccine, you'll, you, 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 you know, they took it as, oh, wait, it only works for six months. Well, that's not, that's, that's not it. That's not true. They've seen it working for six months. That's how it was written, but people took it as an, oh, it only works for six months. That's not, that's not the case. There you go, it was, it was with the New York Post. And, and the headline uh, read, Pfizer says COVID-19 vaccine lasts six months, protects against variants. And people took that and said, oh, it only lasts six months. Why are we taking the vaccine? You see, this is all about money. That's not what the story said. That was a damn headline. And you know who read the story and who didn't. First, sta- first paragraph. Proven highly effective against the coronavirus, including variants for at least six months after full inoculation. I don't know if it's going to last another two months or two years. I don't know. No one does. Which is part of the reason why people are saying, hey, I'm going to woe up on, on the vaccine. I'm not going to take it. Which is completely and totally fine. Completely and totally fine. You don't have to take it. What does the data show me? The data shows me that those people who have the vaccine, if they get COVID, survive it. And those people who get COVID and don't have the vaccine, well, many people survive, but the people who get sick usually die. That's that's what the numbers are showing. It's not that everybody gets sick, which is, I think, another way people on the other side like to manipulate it and play it. Some things don't need manipulation and play. It needs to be said as it is. You don't need to manipulate everything. Then there's Jen Psaki. White House briefing. Let me give you the quick teaser. Most are asymptomatic if they are individuals who are vaccinated to get the virus. She's talking about people, if I have it right, within the White House who have COVID or symptoms, things, things like that talking about those people in the administration who have COVID. And she gets asked the question, who are the people? I I only hope you're sitting down. A White House press secretary said this. Most are asymptomatic if they are individuals who are vaccinated to get the virus. Uh, And, uh, you know, we are in a different place uh, in terms of the impact of individuals who may have, as you said, breakthrough cases. Why not just provide the number? Are you trying to hide something? No, but what is the why do you need to have that information? What? Why not provide the number? Are you trying to hide something? Sorry, I choked on my took a sip of water and choked on it. Never good for radio. So why not just provide the number? Are you trying to hide something? No, but what is the, why do you need to have that information? Why do you need is the messaging of the tyrant. 
And if I'm president of the United States, Jen Psaki is taking a week's vacation without pay. Just so you know, Producer Ari, when I'm president of the United States and you're my press secretary... I'm not going to be your press secretary. You're, are you just going to run communications? I'm not okay. working for you, I promise. I, I guarantee you, you are. I, don't I wanna, guarantee it. I don't want to work in government. It's, it, it's too bad. You have to serve your country. It's time to have a higher calling, dang it. Okay, fine. You do that, you're sitting down for a week. Oh, I'm doing it day one. You are sitting down for a week and you are apologizing publicly to that reporter. I do love the breakthrough cases. So why not just provide the number? Are you trying to hide something? No, but what is the, why do you need to have that information? That's, if Kelly McEnany or uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders said those words, it, it would be 24-7. Look at the assault on journalists. Look at the assault on the truth. We get no transparency from this administration. I assume that's how it would sound. That would be that. That was my take. Was that a good impression? No. Yes. No. Holy cow! That's that might be the ugliest thing I have seen. Now, don't worry. There, there's one more story to get to. I didn't think it would be a twofer today. But uh, you know, sometimes you, you 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 just get lucky. Sometimes you just get really, really lucky. Harris Biden administration. You have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, and you ain't black. Got hairy legs that turn that 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 that, that, that turn uh, um, blonde in the sun. We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men and women created by the go, you know the you know the thing. Say it ain't so, Joe. I think this just happened. Where once again Joe Biden gets himself a little bit confused, gets himself a little bit lost, gets himself a little bit tongue twisted. Oh, it's just it's just Joe. Uh just Joe is making people just freak out. Chairman Leahy. Leader McCarthy, Senator Casey, Congressman Scott, Congressman, <laughs> where is he? There you are, Paul. You understand this better than anybody does. And I want to thank you, Congressman, for all your work. And I want to thank you all for being here. Second, uh, by the way, where's mom? Mom, is she here? Oh, she's watching. Okay, I thought you looked and said, Mom is out there. I was going to ask her to stand up. But, Mom, you can't stand up and if you're home. <laughs> Come on! <laughs> oh. Does, he's clearly, he's, you know, trying to be polite and... Uh, you know, uh, and 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 you know, some member of Congress. I mean, you're talking about your mother here. Let's let's meet your mother. And oh, he's trying to be sweet. Just just stick to the script and stop showing us that you're just this this scatterbrained man. <sighs> just one day. That's all we ask for. I'm Tony Katz.
So yes, the Texas Democrats who escaped to Washington, D.C. are asking for care packages. And the Democratic Party in Texas is even asking for money to send the care packages. They want Dr. Pepper and beef jerky. They, they, they left. And by the way, they get a stipend. They get all sorts of things. But they're still asking for more. So uh, producer Ari, is, he wants to gather all the people who want to send a care package, and he will send it to them. He will bring it to them personally. I am not, I am not in favor of this care package idea. Why not? You don't get a care package after you flee, homie. That's not how it works. I don't think you understand the important things the people of te- uh, the Democrats of Texas are doing for their constituents by fighting voter ID laws or something. Yeah, that's your sacrifice. I'm not giving you Dr. Pepper and beef jerky. The bigotry is real, everybody. What's going on with the violence across America? I'm Tony Katz.